Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I'm your host, Precious D, and with me once again for Scream 3 is my sister, Lita Lopez. Hello, Lita. <laughs> That's three screams. Or as Nick Cave would say, scream once, scream twice, then scream again. Cover your face with your red right hand. Bow, bow, bow. As I mentioned before, the song Red Right Hand becomes so associated with this series that they asked Nick Cave to write new lyrics for this version. And those were the new lyrics that you just... There was some, there was some of them. I think the whole song has new lyrics. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Uh, But that, but he's referring directly to Scream Once, Scream Twice, and Scream Again. He's referring directly to the movie in that. This one... Going back to the Weinstein thing, I was freaking blown away by all of the Hollywood. Ah, like it, it made my head explode. This one I did not. Rem- the only thing I remembered about this one going into it was that it started out with Nev Campbell being sequestered in the woods somewhere. I really didn't remember. Yes, I kind of had a vague. Oh yeah, this is the Hollywood one, but I remembered so... nothing else about it. I was going to say apparently being a crisis counselor pays well, but I think she might have gotten some money from the movie. Oh, I would assume so. Although it's based on well, it's based on a book by Gail Weathers. Stab is based on the Woodsboro Murders yeah. by Gail Weathers. So Gail right. definitely got a paycheck from that. Right. But I but don't know if they had to pay Sydney's life rights, yeah. I'm I don't know how those things work because there is there is the whole thing of paying for the rights to your story. On the other hand, your story's in all the newspapers and is a matter of public record. So there's only yeah. you know, I don't know how that would work. But it's a pretty nice house on a looks like on a nice piece of land. So we're gonna assume yeah. although her original house is a pretty nice house too. So her dad's doing something. He's going to some convention in the first yeah. movie. He's pulling in money doing something. You know, I feel like he does kind of get some short shrift in all of these, the dad. Yeah, yeah. He's hardly mentioned. Yeah. Is he even mentioned at all in the second one? Mm, maybe in passing. It's like, a, you know, it's a little weird that as soon as the word gets out, Dewey gets on a plane and heads straight there. But her right. father does not. Right. <laughs> so, and he's got quite a lot of trauma, too. That sure. is not addressed his wife was unfaithful to him uh, yeah. apparently multiple times yeah. uh, then was murdered yeah then while his daughter's being harassed he has been duct taped in a closet for yeah. two or three days and badly yeah. beaten and almost killed so yeah. he went through quite an ordeal but it was all off camera yeah. So so nobody really thinks about that. And then when he finds out how close his daughter came to getting killed, that's got to be traumatic. And then when it happens again, when she's in college. So we do get to see him in one scene in this movie. And he's just kind of worried that she's living such an isolated life. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, kind of an but, ineffective father and character and... Yeah, maybe that's why Sydney uh, <laughs> has such failed relationships. I, I guess, Have but we find old. out, and we find out that Sydney's mother had her own trauma that perhaps led to right. her right. problems with fidelity and and promiscuity right. and such in her later life. 
Let's uh, hold off first <laughs> to get to that, though, because I, yeah. uh, I want to talk about the opening of this. Um, yes. Which <laughs> was actually so kind of the most terrifying moments um, is cotton driving through L.A. traffic. Wow. So being <laughs> who lives in L.A., uh, uh-huh. has, I have a great anxiety and phobia about cars, about traffic, was recently in a pretty traumatic car accident, mm-hmm. uh, injured myself, or no, I didn't injure myself, was injured, uh, broken bones. Yes. Um, that was terrifying. That was that was the scariest part. And I did, could not. <laughs> okay. I was glad when it was over. Okay. It was all too real. That was real. That was real. That's L.A. traffic. Yeah. Awful people drive like maniacs. They're selfish and stupid and irresponsible. Street racing happening all throughout the San Fernando Valley all the time. Cars being apart. So people are doing fast and furious shit. Is that it? They are. No, they really, really are. Like even now, just found out in my own neighborhood, a block away from me, there's a a pretty major street that they were doing it on a couple nights ago. Terrifying. Like people are, everyone has lost their damn minds in this last year and a half, or they'd already lost them and now they're just letting their uh, insanity shine. Uh, but yeah, it's becoming a real problem mm-hmm. in the city, the street racing, um, and people are dying uh, regularly because of it. It's really terrifying. Don't do it. Despite PSA people, don't do it. If you want to do NASCAR, go get in the freaking NASCAR. Do not speed. Drive responsibly. That is a 2,000-pound weapon yeah. of mass destruction uh, that you are wielding. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> now, this one takes place in Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. It does do quite a bit of indicting of Hollywood, especially the sort of Weinsteinian <laughs> behavior yeah. that some producers yeah. get up to. The movie producer in this movie is up to those kind of shenanigans. Uh, but I don't think that that Weinstein stuff was not public knowledge it was happening, so much. But it was but it was, well, ha- no. it was it was common knowledge in Hollywood. People would joke about it on award shows and stuff. Uh, yeah. But the, general, and the general public didn't know about it. No. And nobody was being held to account. And I'm just yeah. so I I would love to talk to some of the people who worked on this and just find out what the environment was like. Was he on set? Was he a presence? Did he find this funny? Uh, did did he see himself in this situation? Did anybody right. call it out? Because that's like the real horror. Well, I don't I don't know <laughs> how much. So I just read a moment ago about Rose McGowan accusing him of raping her, assaulting her Mm -hmm. and such. Mm -hmm. But that apparently happened at a Sundance film festival, not on the movie set movie. No, not on a set. Um, I'm just saying, I don't know how much, I don't know how much he was on. I don't know how hands-on he was. There were some, some instances he was very hands-on and like hands-on in scripting and whatnot. Like the story of um, like Salma Hayek working on Frida. Yes. Um, Yes. I heard about that. Yeah. So he like forced this scene into the film, a a, Mm. you know, same sex love making scene with her and another woman forced that onto her, like very traumatically for her. 
it really had nothing it wasn't in the original script had not no necessity but he was basic basically forced it and was like i'll pull all the money if you don't do this right no i just meant on on these ones specifically and i'm thinking he wasn't because all of the there would have been more nudity <laughs> all of the thing. well yeah yeah all, but all of the great things i think wes craven was established enough that weinstein wasn't going to get in there and get in his way and yeah. just er everybody involved seems to have such a positive feelings about these movies and about working with Wes Craven that right. it seems to me that Harvey Weinstein was probably not on set and not. He was just directly, which is why he, had, he waited for a film festival to. Assault right. People. Well, and yeah, Zemo was hotel rooms for sure. Yeah. But it was blowing me away that, you know, what's what's more than irony, like it's more than ironic the fact that mm -hmm. they're skewering this type of activity and yet he was you know the greatest perpetrator of it the biggest monster yeah in Hollywood. Um, and i have i don't know how much wes and kevin were um you know were they thinking about harvey when they created that character and when they yeah. made that the central conflict of the movie which turns out to be what happened to sydney's mother when she right. went to hollywood briefly turns out to be what's behind the first three movies what happens in the first three movies are all kind yeah. of the result uh, which of that. also felt like a lot of victim blaming it was very upsetting that like Okay, so she was assaulted by all these producers, has mm -hmm. a child. It sounded like she, nobody even knew who the father is. Could right. have been Milton, could have been anybody. We don't know because so many men attacked her in one night. Yeah. It's this child away. Makes sense. Um, and then gets murdered for it. <laughs> Like, why is this her fault that these men abused her? Like, it, it, that was as far as like real life horror. This one to me is kind of the right. scary. This is the most real. And I will say this yeah. one is my favorite uh -huh. of the three because it just, okay. it's, it's believable. Um, and it's really quite upsetting and terrifying me and and i just related to it like it was you know being in the business it resonated and felt real still funny and amazing and we'll get to more of the things that i love about it but i just felt like this one actually had something to say you know it it exceeds number two in a lot of ways because it just has a message um that i wish could even be revisited uh in a better way post post Weinstein's uh, fall from the tower, you know? Yeah. Now we get our um, three mains back and a cameo from Randy. Yes. I was so happy when, <laughs> right. I came yeah. although I will say for the sister to just show up on the lot, uh, how did she get through security? Why was she in a closet? Where was, how, what, the, that was unbelievable. But she was in the trailer. She was in she somebody's was in the trailer. trailer. How, how'd she get there? She she wasn't invited. I don't know. It's a surprise. <laughs> right. You're not gonna it's not that easy to get onto a movie set. The budget was forty million and the box office was hundred and sixty one point eight. So Ooh. once again, cost more, made less. Made less. We're Ugh. getting diminishing returns uh -oh. here. Uh we're joined by the cast Sergeant, in this is Sar amazing. Sergeant Sergeant McDreamy. 
pa- Detective McDreamy, Patrick Dempsey. Yes, I was so excited when he popped up. It's Scott. funny that I did not remember any of it. I really did not remember really? anything except Sydney with her dog in the right. beginning. I know. We, uh, yeah. we have uh, Scott Foley, Lance Hendrickson, Matt Kessler, Kessler Jenny McCarthy, Mm-hmm. Emily Mortimer, Parker Posey, Parker, Dion Richmond, and Patrick Warburton. Posey, Parker, freaking Posey, <laughs> steals the whole movie. She's my favorite part of it. So amazing. I mm-hmm. was like, how did I not remember she was yep. in it? How did I not remember every, like, her and Courtney together? And brilliant and beautiful. My favorite thing ever. In this movie, she gets the Gale punch. Yeah. <laughs> Sydney punches Gale in the first two movies. This time, real Gale punches fake Gale. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of Gale, speaking of Gale, what is going on with her bangs in this movie? (laughs) That that was unconscionable. Did she try to cut? It was unconscionable. Did she try to cut her hair herself? Parker's got the highlights and the, the... wings going on and yeah. gail's got the worst bangs in the world i can only think maybe it was to differentiate that she's not that gail that parker is playing that like it was they couldn't have the same bangs in this movie. right yeah but, but maybe no bangs but yeah those bad. were those, the, bang, the bangs were also terrifying and looks looks yeah. bad looks painful bad. it did look bad. it looked real bad real bad yeah. Um somebody we get there. Oh, I I forget we get a couple cameos in this movie. Oh, I forgot yes. to mention in the first in the first movie we get a cameo from Linda Blair. Oh. She's one of the reporters. I, not, I guess I knew that at some point but I did not recognize she's, her. She's she's a reporter jumps right on Sydney when she's getting out of a car or something. She's like, "How's it feel? Okay. Almost be gutted." The public has a right to know. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I knew that. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, we get two Amazing. particular cameos, or th- three depending three depending on how you're counting. First, we get Jay and Silent Bob. Yes, loved it. Uh, touring touring the movie set. Now, so silly and it's been pointed out that apparently in the video store in the first movie, we can see either a poster or a video box of Clerks. Okay. And then Jay and Silent Bob themselves are in number three. Yeah. Which means that in this world, Clerks is a documentary? Well, I yeah. I mean, I guess Jay and Silent Bob are just uh, characters. I mean, maybe not even a documentary, just a uh, reality, you know, the first reality movie. Um, yeah. Day in the Life movie. Yeah. I don't know. And then uh, our other big cameo is Carrie Fisher playing a woman who looks like Carrie Fisher. Yes. Yes. I loved that. That was amazing. So they make a, they make a real meta joke here about how she looks just like Carrie Fisher. The, um, and this is what I was saying before about in every movie, they're in a world where that movie star doesn't exist. But in this one, (laughs) Carrie Fisher does exist. They do a similar thing or in, um, one of the oceans movies, either 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. where Julia Roberts is playing a character who looks like Julia Roberts. Mm-hmm. And they use that as part of the, uh, their scheme. And then she runs into Bruce Willis, who thinks she is Julia Roberts. The real Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis as himself. Yes. 
in the movie, okay. Bruce Willis is playing himself and he sees the character okay. and thinks, well, and the character is posing as Julia Roberts at this point. And okay. Bruce Willis comes in and he's like, hey, are we still on for Saturday? Our kids are supposed to be getting together on Saturday. And it's so good. To, and she's like, oh, yeah, great. And then I think he ends up tipping off somebody because he realizes, wait a minute, that was some <laughs> something she says tips him off that it's an imposter. Uh, but this is where we also get what is possibly a reference to Courtney Cox in that they talk about Carrie's character's resemblance to Carrie Fisher. And she says, uh, yeah, yeah, I get a lot. Should I tell you who you look like? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I think we're getting yeah. extremely, the whole movie is very, but I think we're getting a, a, this is Courtney Cox acknowledgement moment there. The movie has a death count of 10, just like the previous one. This is the only one where there's just one killer. It's not a duo. Yes, right. He's doing it all by himself. It's a lot of work. He makes it look like he is dead at one point so that we stop suspecting yeah. him. Yeah. He uh, covers himself in blood and hides in a meat locker or foot locker or something. How do you and feel about just waits that? there for somebody to find him. Yeah, how do you feel about that uh, deviation from the formula? Well, all of the movies have been about establishing the rules and then breaking the rules. Oh, right. Because this is the trilogy. This is the third one. So all bets are off. I guess it doesn't make sense for him to have a partner because who would his partner be that would have a motive? You know, his motive is very clear whether or not it's Mm -hmm. worthy. You know, unless he had a twin. Oh, they could have had twins. (laughs) Redo it. Uh, I feel like that would have been a bit much. It might have been, but that would have been fun. Um, But yeah, there wasn't anybody else (laughs) that he could have necessarily roped into his plan, especially if we're going back to that he was in Woodsboro to, uh, Hmm. you know, provoke Billy in the first one. And yeah, I guess it makes sense for him to be solo. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I I like the uh, use of bulletproof vests. Mm-hmm. We see how it is that the killer is so resilient. I yes. like uh, Sydney having the sense to put one on. That was that was good. That was clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked again for a while. I uh, thought maybe Patrick Dempsey was the killer. You know, they kind of pointed toward him for a little while. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of suspecting him, but then I was glad that it wasn't him. And they they set him up as a love interest, but right. as I mentioned before, by the fourth movie he is gone he's gone but there is a 10-year gap between the movies so who right. knows right they could have they could have dated for five years and then broken up yeah we don't we have no yeah. idea yeah. what did you what did you think of the ending well that very last scene well i was happy that you know again i love dewey and gail um coming together that was a real cute little proposal um, I really enjoyed the evolution of their relationship. <laughs> it was nice to see that Sydney was uh, maybe getting past some of her trauma, letting the doors be unlocked and open and stuff. Um, I don't know. What, why do you ask? What did you think of the ending? Well, I just the open door, you know. Yeah. How she uh, makes a conscious choice to leave the door open. Yeah. To sort of 
open up life to new possibilities but then there's a little musical sting at the end to imply that there's yeah, still still danger yeah yeah outside the uh, door right i'd never feel like the so, danger uh, yeah, like has subsided. it's just uh whatever she's prepared for whatever may come i guess yeah well you know have you seen the trailer for the new movie yeah i think i saw it but i'm not rem i'm not remembering much from it what in happens the, in the trailer somebody asked sydney if she has a gun and she says i'm sydney prescott of course i have a gun yeah oh, yeah and i'm like well it took you took you long enough right right you should have had one three movies ago all right and always yeah i love i like the end of that too where Dewey's shooting and shooting, and she's like, the head, the yeah. head. <laughs> That's you, bulletproof vests will always be an option. So, yes, go for killer to get shot in the head. Yeah. Billy and um, Lori, Mrs. Uh, Loomis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Both get shot in the head as yeah. well. Yeah. Not in the second one or the fourth one. I mean, uh, someone gets shot elsewhere. We'll talk about that. <laughs> um, what else about this one? I mean, I, this I I really liked everything about it. It also felt the funniest to me too. Maybe just because uh -huh. it felt like it was m the world that I live in. Um, but yeah, it just had a lot of a lot of well, more I, I more humor. Good that landed. Yeah. Oh, um, I want to go back a little to the beginning, actually, okay. to uh, Cotton Weary. I <laughs> so I like that we see that Cotton has kind of gotten what he wanted. Mm -hmm. He's famous. He has his own TV show. Right. Yeah. Where's trademark cotton that. suit? Yeah. The show's called a yeah. hundred percent cotton. But Cotton has I, what I think you could call a complicated relationship with Sydney. Yeah. But when the killer threatens him, he does not appear to, for a moment, contemplate giving the killer the information he wants. Right. Uh, nor does he claim he doesn't have it. He's just right. doesn't doesn't consider right giving that giving that to the guy. So I just I liked I liked that. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. to, you know, he's a good he's a he's an okay guy after all. Right. <laughs> for as sleazy as he is, he's also not. He's not the bad guy. He's not the villain. Yeah. Yes. Yes. He's a guy that's maybe made some bad choices, but he's at the top of his yeah. game at the beginning of this movie. And he, but he doesn't give it, you know, doesn't give it up Sydney's info. So that's cool. Yeah. So that's interesting too, because now he's, you know, I feel like in the earlier movies, Liv Shriver was still building his career and was not necessarily the biggest star of stars. And now, mm -hmm. In 2011, yeah, he's the big star that is <laughs> that unexpected. Gets it in the beginning. Yeah, unexpectedly killed, which, yeah, that was cool. They talk about in the. Um, I did not expect him to die. <laughs> they talk in the commentary about how he wanted to take, he'd been working out and he wanted to take the, his jacket off so you could see <laughs> his, his tight sweater so everyone could see that he'd been working out. <laughs> so the director's like ah, it doesn't necessarily make sense for him to take his coat off right here but i went ahead and let him do because <laughs> although maybe he's, he's taking it off because he needs to be free to fight yeah. ghost face yeah. so but it yeah. was really so so leave could show off his, his biceps that's funny so what do you rate you, you said this is your your favorite one 
Yes, this is, uh, I give this one a five and a half. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going to give it a five. I'm not going to make it go to 11, I think. Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Still love it. Yeah. Uh, We'll watch it again next year. Yeah, this one I'll definitely watch again. Oh, show. I will watch Parker Posey any day of the week. Well, you know, she's in she's in Josie and the Pussycats, you know. (laughs) She's also in Blade 3 for no apparent reason. Okay. So. Okay. Okay, folks. Thanks for joining us. Lita, thanks for joining me. Of we'll course. We'll be back tomorrow with Scream 4. Until then, we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Funtime Go. Go.